You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Dumas on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome to Big Show Hour 4. We are way late here, and uh, we are live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation walls. We have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They are all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. We go down the Atlas Pizza Sports Bar Guest Hotline. We're joined by the new voice of the Toronto Blue Jays on the Sportsnet Radio Network, Ben Shulman. Ben, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Patrick. Thanks so much for having me on. Hey, no, thanks for joining. Uh, congrats on the on the new gig. I'm sure that this is uh, uh, your your first big intro into sports. I know you did a little bit of the part time stuff last year for filling, but how you feeling as you're going to be out doing 162 of these? Yeah, I mean it, it, it's really exciting, Patrick. It's really a dream come true. I mean, this is you know the team that I uh, grew up watching and following, obviously being from the Toronto area. With, uh, you know, Roy Halliday and Vernon Wells and Alex Rios and, and even some guys before that. So to get the opportunity to be around them now every day uh, and do that for work, it, it was a bit of a taste of it last year. But this is really a, a dream come true and an honor uh, to be put in this position where there have been so many really, really great broadcasters coming before me. So I just can't wait to get started, and I'm glad that finally uh, we get our first spring training game coming up tomorrow. Yeah, you will, we'll hear you tomorrow on the call between the, the Jays and the Phillies. Uh, 11 o'clock local start right out here in Calgary. Let's talk about uh, this team here. Uh, depth, uh, the depth of not only in the starting pit rotation, but this bullpen. Do you think the, the overall the pitching is still the, the easily the biggest strength on this team going forward here? It would hard to, it would be hard to say it's not. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people expect to bounce back from the offense, and I think the offense has the talent to lead this team. But uh, with what the pitching did last year, you have to look at at the pitchers, probably the starters in particular. Although the bullpen is so phenomenal as well, but the innings the starters gave them last year were were just remarkable. They bring back pretty much everyone. Uh, and kind of a renewed Alec Manoa, and then uh, they discovered guys like Bowden Francis and others uh, who they potentially have here as depth option, or maybe he wins that, you know, the starting option, uh, the fifth starting job there. And then the bullpen pretty much just as loaded as it was before. Uh, you know, you end up having, uh, you know, full season now out of uh, what seems to be fully healthy Chad Green without any restrictions on him, too. So this, this is primed to be a team with, you know, the gold glove defense from last year. The, the Blue Jays won the team gold glove that they hand out for defense. I, I think you expect the pitching and defense to be, you know, really stellar again, even if maybe the standard of last year is a little bit too high to expect year after year. Exactly. And then you, 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 you think what Alec Manoa can bring to the team. You figure he's going to be a, a bounce back candidate. Maybe what will Ricky Tiedemann do? And then there's uh, Yariel Rodriguez, uh, the signing from Cuba. Uh, that they've added in. in. In the end, how much of a say will Ricky Tiedemann have on this season when it's all said and done? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think a certain amount of it is out of his control because if the five guys they have going are, are pitching well and yeah. pitching healthy, then I don't know if, if Ricky, uh, you know, makes a ton of appearances, at least as a starter. He is coming off a, a season where he was injured, both a bicep injury and a shoulder injury, held him out for a little bit. Uh, we get to see him tomorrow, which will be really, really exciting. I think he will factor in in some way. I think he, even if they didn't find a starting spot for him because of because of good reasons, uh, that maybe he'd, he'd have some bullpen appearances or, at some point in the season. But I, I think how much he factors in is obviously a bit to do with how well he's thinking 
but probably a lot to do with what's the health situation, how well are the other guys pitching, mm-hmm. because the Blue Jays, I think, feel comfortable with their five starters right now if everything goes well. Yeah, Tiedemann will be getting the start uh, tomorrow for the Jays against the Phillies. Uh, it'll be an 11 o'clock start right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. Uh, one of the, I guess, the only really free agent ad, I, I, they had IKF as well, Isaiah Connor Falefa, but uh, of the big bats, I should say, Justin Turner was the big signing. He had 96 RBIs. You know, as a 38 year old, that's still really impressive. It was his best offensive output as a as a big leaguer. How much of an effect do you think he'll have on this team? I think he's already fitting in pretty well. Yeah, I, I think he has a huge impact on this team. I think obviously with the bat, you know what he can do. He's been a really, really good hitter for about a decade now. And, and one of those guys, you don't see it a ton, but kind of like Raul Ibanez did the same mm. thing where it took him a little bit and then his 30s were really where he went off. And that's, that's what I think gives you a little bit uh, of faith here that Turner can string it along because his age 38 season was really good and his age 37 season was really good. Uh, but he's also a great club outside. They seem to really, really like him. Uh, you know, he definitely helps bring in some of that better presence that maybe you lose when Brandon Belt goes out the door. And Turner's just, uh, you know, I think a very positive, smiley guy. Uh, you know, serious when he needs to be. And, and he, he's been in the playoffs with the exception of last year. Pretty much every year he's been a regular player. Uh, but I think he can provide a lot to this team, uh, both in and out uh, of the clubhouse. And it's, it's just, uh, I, I think, a really great fit. It does seem like he's meshing really well. Uh, he's a big hockey fan, too, which doesn't hurt. Uh, and I, uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what he brings because I, I think that he's a, a really interesting guy for this team and, and a, a little bit of a different hitter than Brandon Paul, yeah. uh, who I think he can provide a couple different things that the Blue Jays may not have had last year. Do you think the Jays could kind of use the DH position as just a, a whole bunch of players there? Like, you can use Vlad there, you can have George Springer there, you can use, obviously, Justin Turner. How much of a of a of Justin Turner being in this lineup will affect how that DH role is going to be played, uh, how John Schneider is going to deploy it this year? I, I do think Turner occupies a lot of the DH. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think he DH is a good amount. Um, but I do, you know, he can play first base. He kind of like Belt went in and played a lot of first base uh, to give Vladdy some rest last year. He obviously can play third base. It's the primary position for his career. And, mm-hmm. and you know, maybe last year he didn't play a lot of third because they had FIL damage there. Like, it, it was a very different situation than he enters this season. So I can see him playing a little more third base this year. And, and he mentioned in his, in his opening press conference that he could play some second and did last mm-hmm. year. I'm not sure we'll see him there a ton unless they need it, but it's always good to have extra positions. So I would guess that he's the primary DH, but at the same time, they want to make sure that Vladdy gets some DH days considering he's almost an 152 game player every single year. And you got to get George Springer some DH days. That's how they got George to 154 games last year, which was the second most of his career. So I do think that they'll shift it around. They also have, you know, two catchers who ideally can provide some offense for them, and both of them are right and hitting, uh, you know, up to their potential. So maybe one of those guys uh, ends up in the DH again. So I can see it being a bit of a carousel, but I would expect Turner to be the primary DH on those days. Oh, we're chatting with Ben Schulman, Blue Jays radio play-by-play man on Sportsnet Radio Network. I'll uh, be on the call tomorrow. Uh, for the Jays and Phillies for their first spring training game. Uh, ben, how much is the the lack of true outfield depth a concern right now? You know, after Kiermaier, Springer, Varsho, it, it's getting a little blue. Like, Nathan Lucas seems like he's the next man up. I know they've got some guys in, in the farm that uh, are knocking on the door, but, like, 
Cody Bellinger's still out there. I know he's he's got his critics and whatnot, but is the true lack of outfield depth a concern for this team? I, I'm not entirely concerned because I think they can do some of the Whit Merrifield stuff they did last year. Okay. I'd, I'd expect Kevin Biggio to get a yes. decent amount of run in right field. You know, if you have Davis Schneider at second, maybe you put Biggio out in right field sometimes. Uh, you know, Davis Schneider also can play yep. left field. Yep. He's kind of been a, a second base left fielder now throughout this offseason. They played him a little at third last year uh, when they needed to in Colorado, but I think they've asked him now to be more of a left fielder, second baseman. I talked to him yesterday, and he said he was feeling pretty comfortable in left field. There are obviously things he has to learn out there as well, uh, but I think you know they'll try and get him in, especially against lefty pitching, where maybe you don't want both Barsho and Kiermaier in the lineup, then you throw Schneider into the outfield. Uh, IKF also can play yep. outfield. He played all three outfield positions for the Yankees last year and kind of it just plays every position that baseball has invented. So uh, I think that they can get it from some of their versatile infielders. If one of those guys goes down, now I think you're you're looking for it a little bit more in the minor leagues. Uh, and, and, you know, they like what they have defensively from Nathan Lucas. They didn't have him hit a ton last year, but certainly he can defend at all three positions in the outfield. Uh, so I, it's not a huge concern to me, but uh, if injuries were to come, then, yeah, I guess they, they would – maybe be searching a little bit for some outfield options. And maybe we see, you know, they picked up Jordan Luplo last year for a little bit. Some guys are going to get released at the end of spring training uh, from minor league deals. That could be interesting to the Blue Jays. Uh, Vlad Jr. spoke earlier in this, earlier the week. Uh, he talked about there's no hard feelings over the uh, whole going to arbitration. Uh, he feels like he's in the best shape of his career right now and that he can get back to where he was in 2021. Does the vibes around Vladdy feel better heading into this season? I think so. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, he really attacked this offseason from what he said. And, you know, he, he even when he was uh, profiled by ESPN after he got uh, the cover athlete uh, honor for MLB The Show, yep. he said, like, this is the year. If, if I hit well this year, people are, you know, are going to know that, that I am who, you know, a lot of people have billed me to me. And if I don't hit well this year, then I don't deserve it. And, and people are going to, you know, forget a little bit about me. And so he understands, I think, the situation around him uh, and what he needed to do. In terms of the arbitration, he really seemed unbothered by that. And, you know, he is he's a guy who understands, I think, how a lot of this works from watching his father do it, not yep. to mention uh, how it's just collectively bargained between the players and, and the owners. And I think occasionally sometimes we put a little too much stock into – into how much that would upset someone because the Blue Jays are smarter than going in there and insulting Vladdy, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I think he's in a good spot. Uh, you know, I think there's some minor swing tweaks we'll see. His, his hands appear to be a little bit higher than before. Uh, and Schneider was pretty happy about that. He said that that's something that uh, he's seen when Vladdy's at his best is that his hands are higher and, and he's managed Vladdy at a, a lot of stops. So uh, I, I think that the vibe is better. At the end of the day, you know, Bo Bichette, I think, had one of the quotes of, of the spring. Uh, you know, we haven't done enough for people to take us on our word. Uh, was was roughly what he said. I'm paraphrasing. And and with Vladdy and with all these guys, we're going to have to see it. But I think it sounds and looks good right now uh, during spring training, at least. Uh, Don Mattingly, uh, Jeff Blair was on with us earlier this week, and he kind of explained what Don Mattingly's role is now as the offensive coordinator uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays. He's going to be strictly focusing on hitting. No defensive play, just he is the hitman. He is Donnie Baseball. That was his job when he was doing it with the Yankees. How much of an uh, impact can Don Mattingly have 
as the OC of the Toronto Blue Jays, focusing on the hitting. As we know, last year, the team struggled to, to get the ball out of the ballpark and really generate runs. Yeah, I, I think he's going to have an impact. You know, Bo has talked about it a little bit. George has talked about it a little bit. Uh, you know, he, he obviously uh, has a lot of respect from everyone around baseball, considering, uh, you know, how successful he was not only as a player, but you know, has also been very successful uh, in a coaching and managerial career as well. I think that, you know, he is bringing an intensity, it sounds like, uh, to the position where, uh, you know, Bo had mentioned that he got a little fired up talking to them recently. And, and one of the things that Bo mentioned that, that Mattingly has really mentioned to them is, you know, we got to be competitive in every at-bat. You don't want to give away a plate appearance. You don't want to give away a pitch. You don't want to give away a game. So I, I think that he can do that and also maybe, uh, you know, be one person to kind of deliver information to players. There are still other hitting coaches, uh, but the hitting responsibilities were a little bit divided last season in terms of, uh, you know, it was game plan was believed to be more on the Dave Hudson side. Guillermo Martinez was more of a swing fundamentals and stuff like that. Those rules still exist, but it all funnels up to Mattingly, it seems like, who then uh, is in charge of kind of giving out that information. So, I, you know, I think it, he's obviously a guy who knows what he's talking about, and maybe the information is disseminated a bit more easily to the players now. Uh, but uh, still a lot of it, in, in my opinion, goes down to the guys on the field swinging the bats. And, and I think a lot of them have said that at the end of the day. Uh, you know, it's a lot of the same hitting coaches were here in 22 that were here in 23, and they were a world-beating offense in 22. Uh, so it, it is it is mostly, I think, down to the guys in the box seeing those coaches. Yeah, and the, the, the coaching staff also welcoming back DeMarlo Hale. Uh, that'll be a, a nice uh, return to see him back around the bench as well. Uh, Ben, uh, what was your overall thoughts with uh, how Hyunjin Ryu is going to be remembered when it comes to his time here in Toronto? I know he came during the pandemic. He was a Cy Young finalist that year in 2020. He had the Tommy John. If I was grading it, it feels like his time here was incomplete as he heads back to Korea. Yeah, I mean, it, it obviously was a little bit more awkward of a spin yeah. than anyone thought it was. You know, when they signed him, it was it was pre-pandemic, although obviously the, the first season that he pitched in was the pandemic. Uh, and so it, it was tough because between injuries and that, we never got to see maybe a, a full season of that full-strength, uh, absolutely dominant guy uh, that the Blue Jays had signed over from the Dodgers. But I, I think, and it's been said before, that the overarching legacy is that his willingness to sign to a Blue Jays team who had a bunch of young guys, but not a lot of proven talent on the roster, uh, really helped push other people towards coming to the Blue Jays. Springer talked about yesterday that when Ryu signed, it just made it clear that the Blue Jays were a team that were willing to start building around mm -hmm. the talent that they had and try and push. So, uh, you know, I, I think everyone wishes we could have seen a healthier Ryu for a longer period yeah. of time uh, pitching in a Blue Jays uniform. But I think he did a lot for this team off the field, not to mention... Mm -hmm. Uh, you won't find a guy around here who didn't love Ken Ryu as a person. And, and this team talks a ton about uh, their starting rotation culture being different than most places. You know, they hang out all the time. They watch everyone's bullpens. They really are a team, the starting pitchers, rather than five individuals. Yeah. And, and just speculating, I, I believe that Dunjin Ryu was a big part of that because he's a personality that everyone was really drawn to and a veteran that everyone respected. No, we wish him the best uh, over back in korea uh what's the set what have you heard i know it was all over social media yesterday and it's been throughout the whole week uh the the new uniforms the pants 
yesterday. Uh, have you heard much from the Blue Jays side of things on how they're dealing with the the new Nike fanatics look? Because I know the pants, uh, they leave a little bit uh, left to be desired. I haven't heard much, I'll okay. be honest. Um, I, I have seen them wearing them a little bit, but I am... I'm about the furthest thing from a uh, like a, a fashion expert uh, <laughs> at all. I, I know that I know that the main thing I saw was that Ricky Tiedemann is filling out his pants in a in a Robbie Ray like way oh, that, okay. that that we hadn't seen previously because uh, you know as many people will see tomorrow when he's pitching on TV he's put on like 20 pounds of pure muscle essentially. So that was the most that I Jesus. dove into the pants. Um, and, uh, and, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not very qualified to speak to the best uniform, but, uh, we'll see, you know, I, I, uh, I'm excited to see them put on the uniforms finally rather than, uh, do the, the drills around here, which are interesting, but don't really give you the adrenaline of real baseball. No, I get you. I get you. Uh, ben, uh, all the best. Uh, enjoy Dunedin. Enjoy this season, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you uh, on the calls, and I'm sure we'll have uh, our discussions throughout the year. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on, and looking forward to talking soon. No problem. There you go. There's Ben Shulman, uh, the new Blue Jays radio play-by-play man on the Sportsnet Radio Network. You can hear him and Buck on the call tomorrow Hell yeah. uh, for the 11.07 first pitch between the Phillies and the Blue Jays. It'll be Ricky Tiedemann, uh, 20 pounds of muscle uh, for Ricky Tiedemann up against Colby Allard. Uh, again, that'll be that's the Jays' first uh, spring training game. We've got some yesterday, some more today. So, yeah, baseball's back. Let's do it. It's back. and uh, Really interesting season here for the Blue Jays coming up. Mm-hmm. Like, like, when they initially, you know, went into this era of Vladdy and Bo Bichette, you're talking about this team is going to progress into World Series contenders sooner than, rather than later. In, in your mind, do you feel like this Jays team has a little bit more of, like, a, a feeling of desperation heading into this season? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, like they, they tried to go in, all in on Shohei, yep. and they – they weren't able to make good on that. The only free agent signing they've made thus far has been Justin Turner. Well, Who knows if they'll be able to land? Well. Yeah, I know, yeah. but it hasn't been that, that marquee no, thing. So yeah. they're really banking on Vladdy and, and Bo to carry the ship here, and that just hasn't happened over the last couple of seasons here. So I think what you saw last year was a bit of an outlier with the yeah. whole offense. I know Vlad's been down really since 2021, but Bo picked it up. Bo, yeah. Bo's been uh, been great. I know he ran into some injury problems, but I think this is a team that, uh, I don't know if they're desperate, but I don't think there obviously isn't the expectations they have had the last couple of years where they were, you know, one, two, three in the in World Series favorites. They're yeah. they're 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 a playoff team. They should be they a playoff be. team. They 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 should have a crack at the division. They should, and and they've got probably arguably still the best rotation and bullpen in at least the American League. Yep. Uh, but again, that that was all health last year. They were healthy mm-hmm. last year. That's another thing that the Jays have been lucky with their pitching is they've been kind of healthy the last couple of years. So that's why I think Tiedemann is going to be a super interesting yeah. uh, and thing need, for the Blue Jays. And like, Alec Manoa stepping up again because yeah. he needs to. If for Alec Manoa, he needs to be one of those five. They, yeah, it. They'd like to have him as their three in a perfect world, oh, yeah. I would say. But like, they they have to have at least have him as their five, and. Uh, yeah that's, yeah, that's what I would think. Yeah, we are way late here. We got uh, Roughnecks goaltender Christian Del Bianco joining us next as Big Show Hour 4 continues here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Big Show Hour 4, live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. It's been a busy show. We'll have uh, all those interviews up on our Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. But uh, we go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline one more time. We're joined by the 2022 
NLL MVP and, sorry, 2023 NLL MVP and goaltender of the year, Christian Del Bianco from your Calgary Roughnecks. Christian, thanks so much for taking some time out of your morning and chatting some uh, Roughnecks lacrosse with me. No worries. Thank you for having me, guys. Hey, no problem. Christian, talk to me about uh, the season so far. I know it was a little bit of a rough start, but uh, you guys have pulled yourself up uh, over the last two games, and uh, you're seeing yourself getting closer to that 500 mark. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we kind of did uh, in, in years past. It's not our first time we've done this, sadly, where we dig ourselves <laughs> a bit of a hole, but we're not quite out of the basement yet here, and I think uh, this weekend's obviously a big one, like you said, getting back to 500, and just I think a lot of uh, growth and change right obviously new coaching staff and Mm -hmm. everyone kind of just getting a feel for each other and some some additions on offense so we're figuring it out and I think if we're going to hit a stride now's the time. Uh, We'll get to the the new coaches in a a sec but uh, talk to me about your opponent this weekend Uh, tomorrow you'll be taking on the Philadelphia Wings Uh, what kind of challenges do they propose uh, to you guys uh, being an Eastern Conference team and whatnot? Yeah, you know, I think they're obviously kind of in a similar situation where us, where they're kind of jogging for spots here and, and kind of going with us in that same kind of area where they're on the verge of playoffs or not playoffs. So no no such thing as games that aren't must-win in the NLL, and I think they have a little bit of everything, right? They have some big names on offense. They have a great goalie in Higgins and net for them. So I think it's a pretty uh, interesting matchup for fans to watch where every team has a little bit of everything. Uh, talk to me about uh, the new head coach and, and the coaching staff, Josh Sanderson, uh, the former Roughneck, taking over. Uh, what's he brought to to the group this year? Yeah, you know, I think he's a pretty fiery guy, and I, I think that's something that we're we're pretty used to with, with Mouse in uh, previous years. And I think he knew going in that it was a veteran group that had the chance to win, and and it wasn't going to be kind of straightforward necessarily, right? I always kind of joked to him as. You didn't get thrown the keys to a 92 Civic. You kind of got thrown <laughs> the keys to a Cadillac a bit. Yeah. Right? So it, yeah. it's kind of, it's winner, winner bust, right? So I think he's, he's game for that pressure. And I think obviously you look at his playing career and all that stuff, you know, he's a guy that's, that's trying to win, right? That's something that I definitely never dealt with him mm-hmm. is he wants to win just as much as any one of us. Overall, just talk to me about uh, like your game. You know, you, you love uh, you love ripping the ball down there. You try and uh, you hit the other post or whatnot. Just talk to me about your game, how you bring that assist game, uh, and it affects the offense of of the of your team. Yeah, I don't think there's a better roster in the league for me to play with from yeah. that standpoint, right? You look look through our lineup. Shane Simpson. We always joke that he's an old guy that just goes out of the back gate, making fun of him a bit. But I think him, Zach. Cornwall, like even some of our young guys, Harrison Matsuoka, like Seth Van Sheppen, like you go through the whole list, there's there's not really any of our defenders that can't go score in transition. So it's definitely a fun roster to play with as a guy who likes to throw the ball around a bit. Uh, last week, uh, I saw it on the on the the Flames uh, Twitter, or, or it might have been your uh, Roughnecks Twitter, but you had a, a meeting with Jacob Markstrom on the floor there. What was uh, that conversation like, uh, talking with uh, an NHL goaltender? Yeah, I think it, it's kind of a good perspective, right? I, I mean, I think we think we're under pressure, <laughs> right? I think uh, that's obviously a different level, and, and obviously I, I'm not a, oblivious to sports and what's going on with his career at this point mm-hmm. with trade rumors and all of that. So just seeing how they hold themselves accountable and just be professionals when they have all this outside noise is uh, pretty impressive. And then I think I kind of joked around on Twitter that, 
you always figure NHL goalies are tall, but the guy must have had a foot on me. So <laughs> it was pretty funny just to see how different the builds are. Oh, exactly. It's just, it's just like the, the, in the game, like, I, like becoming a lacrosse goaltender, like, is that like, how did you become a goaltender? Was it like becoming like, I, I played a little hockey goaltender or was it like, hey, I just want to take this over? Because they're, they're obviously similar looking equipment, but there are different things that the, the, the goalies have to do. The net's smaller and whatnot. Yeah, you know, it was more so I was just a relatively competitive kid, and my older brother was a lacrosse goalie, so there was a little bit of anything you can do, I can do better <laughs> aspect there. So since he was a goalie, I told my parents I have to be a goalie too, and I don't think my parents were necessarily pumped to have two kids that were uh, goaltenders, and I think in any sport that kind of comes with some stress for the parents growing up, and I think they handled it pretty well. Uh, there was some news in the league this week that the, the New York Riptide are going to be uh, pulling up shit stock and uh, moving to Ottawa. I know uh, they've been the Riptide uh, social media have been really good about their their game posters and whatnot. I know the one with the, the Roughnecks was them blowing up an oil rig and whatnot. But what was your what's your uh, thoughts on another uh, NLL team coming back to, to Canada? Ottawa getting a second chance at an NLL franchise. Yeah, you know, from my understanding, it's kind of a partnership with uh, another NHL ownership. Yeah. Um, I don't think necessarily they're full owners, but I think any scenario where you can uh, pair up with an organization that owns the arena, mm -hmm. they have a good facility, they know the way the business works in that market, I think it's a pretty positive thing. And I think more so, it's just a good way of the, the league, rather than letting franchise just whittle away and die, they yeah. say, hey, you know what, we got to kind of pull our losses here and relocate and put this team in a market that can succeed, right? Rather than us going mm -hmm. the opposite direction where we're losing teams versus expanding. No, and that, that's exactly it. And that kind of leads me to my next point. Like overall, how's the, the in your, I know you're, you're just, you're just a player. You don't really know what's going on behind the scenes, but from what you're talking with other guys, how's the state of the league at right now? Yeah, you know, I think it's, it's obviously growing, right? I think mm -hmm. every year it seems like there's more and more teams. I think, even from the course of when I started in the league, I think there was only about 10 teams, right? So it's constantly growing. And I think it's just finding that uh, my personal opinion, obviously, like you said, I'm not a rocket scientist <laughs> here, is I think it's just finding quality expansion teams and quality markets mm -hmm. versus kind of in years past, way before my time, it was kind of your typical, we're going to expand a ton and then we're going to fold a ton, right? And that's great that the, the owners were getting expansion fees, but I think now it's more we're trying to find teams that can feasibly stay for a long time so the the sport in the league can grow long term. No, that's exactly it. And you see it with with more the the younger uh leagues is like you'll have a like a 10 or 12 uh group of teams and then you're like oh well three or four leave and they don't add to it and then the league doesn't last long. I like how the NLL has has kept up with that. And it does it necessarily with these markets do do they need to have like an NHL in to, to go to these markets or do you think like lacrosse can go anywhere you know i think it, it obviously you try to find hotbeds where maybe there's a, a lacrosse background but i think you also see towns like saskatoon right where it's picking yeah. up their lacrosse is growing there in the community right so i don't think there's necessarily a science i think the one thing i would say personally from playing for an organization that's kind of nhl owned it definitely brings a level of professionalism. They know mm -hmm. how things operate in the sports, right? They know how your contract stuff works, right? It's not necessarily Wild West. And I think it's obviously a positive thing when they own the venue also. 
what has to like, I know like, like, we'll get on the the rest of the team here uh, with this question. Just you guys, you sitting one game behind five hundred here. What do you guys need to do the rest of the way to get back to to get back to a conference final like you were last year? Yeah, you know, I think it's just finding consistency, right? I think yeah. uh, at the start of the year, it was kind of the offense played good one night, the defense played good the other night, and obviously you kind of got to sync those up to the same night slash every night, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that the league's so so competitive all the way through, right? Right now it feels like the last place team could beat the first place yeah. team, and I think that's great for the fans, and it's good for the, the league and players also, right? It makes it every night you're, you're getting up and getting ready to go, right? Because you know it's not going to be a, a walk in the park. So I think we just got to show up for 60 minutes and make sure everyone shows up. It's obviously not a, a half-and-half job. Christian, uh, thank you so much for taking some time out of your morning, uh, chatting some Roughnecks, uh, State of the NLL with me, and uh, all the best the rest of the year. And uh, good luck tomorrow night against Philadelphia, buddy. Awesome. Thank you very much. There you go. There's Christian Del Bianco. You'll be able to see him tomorrow night, the uh, 2023 NLL MVP and goaltender of the year, Christian Del Bianco. Uh, Going to be fun, a fun atmosphere tomorrow night uh, at the Dome, uh, 7 o'clock start against the Philadelphia Wings. Uh, last night, we haven't really had a chance to break down uh, what are our thoughts on the Calgary Flames uh, 3-2 overtime win over the Boston Bruins. I, I was I, I went to the game with Maddie and George. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I left about I left about five minutes left before overtime. Mm-hmm. Um, watched the overtime on my phone walking home. Like, damn, that How was the atmosphere live? Because on TV, that place was rowdy, too. What was were, it like in person? There were a good chunk of Bruins fans, yeah. and uh, there always are with original six teams. Like yeah. They're always going to have a, a good chunk, but uh, a lot like, felt like... I don't think there'd be as many Ranger fans or even Blackhawk fans. Like, yeah. The Bruins were... like That was a... That was like what you'd expect, kind of like with the with, with like the, the Canuck, maybe not the Canucks, yeah. But like it was a good amount. It was kind of like the the Winnipeg game on Monday. Yeah, I was even surprised. Like I was driving around before the game, I was going to the gym or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's not important, but uh, like you know, you know, on a game day, you'll see Flames jerseys scraggling around the city mm-hmm. or whatever. I was actually seeing a decent amount of Bruins oh, jerseys yeah. walking around too, so I was actually surprised about yeah, about that as well. Exactly. I mean, they're they're a relevant bunch. They're they're one of the t- top teams in the league, but. Uh, Oof, that was a, that was a fun game. I, I think that was one of the best uh, overtime three on threes that I've seen from this group. That uh, if, when the NHL pitched or started doing three on three, that's the overtime that's they imagine. Not not yeah. the whole puck ragging thing. Yep. That is what you wanted. It was back yep. and forth, up and down hockey. End to end saves. That one sequence where Allmark played the puck and the Bruins came down and then Markstrom tried to answer by playing the puck and he <laughs> kind of threw it into the middle of nowhere. It turned into like a. A below the dot two on oh I was yeah. like oh my god Markstrom it's gonna be <laughs> you kept you kept this team all the way in it and then they were gonna lose it by by two unfortunate mistakes by Markstrom but man did he ever make some great ten dollars in overtime and even late in the third period I thought the Bruins were the better team in the third period really pressing their their action there and and Markstrom again just finding a way to steal games for the Calgary Flames at times uh, for as not to say it was a bad effort by Calgary and uh, as a whole but Markstrom was by far and away the first star in that game. No, for as good as as, as what uh, you know, Sergey Bobrovsky and Thatcher Demko and Connor Hellebuck, uh, Jonathan Quick's been good this year. Uh, Joey Decord out in Seattle's having a hell of a year. Um, Jacob Markstrom, man, like yeah, like I, I, you, you look the wins and losses, throw him out. Goals against, throw him out. He passes the eye test right now. Oh, yeah. He might be playing the best hockey he has as a Calgary Flame. Is he is he better this season in comparison to what he he was two 22? seasons ago? Yeah, the thing is, in twenty two, it was like he, the, the rest of the team a, was so good. Exactly, that's what I'm trying to say. He's right? playing behind a better team. Yeah, the rest of the team was so good. Like this is like what Kiprasov kind of was doing true. with the Flames there at his end of his days here in Calgary. 
when the team was kind of just floating around there in that nine ten mark. Markstrom has easily been the best goalie the Flames have had since since Mika. It's not even close. Oh yeah, yeah, it's not no, even close. No, it's uh, it's it's not close. And uh, he's like the third fastest uh, two hundred wins or something like that. I saw a graphic on it uh, yeah. as a Flames mm-hmm. Flames goaltender. Only like uh, uh, Vernon Kiprusov and now Markstrom have mm-hmm. hundred wins within a. Within a flame sweater, and like, or the I, fastest to it. He took him 200 games or whatever. They don't have to trade this guy. They don't have to do anything. He mm-hmm. still has two years left. They can have him and bring him along Dustin Wolf. They don't have to, but I still really understand the argument of selling high on a guy. I totally get that. I totally get that as well. And and he is probably playing uh, the highest that he's been yep. uh, as a Calgary Flame, at least since 2022. Let's uh, listen to some audio from last night. Let's hear from the game winner. Uh, Nazem Kadri, who's might be playing his best hockey Red hot. as a Calgary Flame right now, hit the 20 goal mark uh, last night with his OT winner. Let's hear from Nas. How did you feel getting that OT win over Boston? Great, great. I mean, uh, you know, hard fought game. Took uh, six to five minutes and happened to get the win, yeah. When there's a crazy overtime like that, is doesn't like to see the puck go. It's got to be a yeah, absolutely. Um, I was exhausted by the end of that one. Just an absolute track meet. So, uh, Probably fun for you guys to watch, I'm sure. Uh, fun for us to watch too, but um, nice to come out on the proper side of that one. Marky was, uh, you know, made some great saves for us, gave gave us the opportunity to um, go cash in. Nazem, how much overtime in that sense is chemistry versus X's and O's versus he, like a track meet? How does that work? I, I think it's just you know a matter of creativity, really. I think uh, you know teams obviously since it's coming to the league, I think uh, there's a certain strategy you have to play uh, in three on three, but. For the most part, um, you got to be creative. You got to find, uh, you know, there's obviously open ice out there. You got to find it and uh, capitalize when you get the chance. Now, you beat, you beat a Boston team that doesn't in Boston that doesn't lose very often at home, and then seven zero and three on the road. They've been rolling. Why has this group had success against a team that doesn't lose a lot? Yeah, I, I don't know. For for whatever reason, I think that's uh, you know, like like I mentioned earlier, that's that's motivating to see, and I think that's uh, you know, inspiring for all of us. You know, some. Some great teams come in here, and we're able to uh, come out on the proper side of that. So it says a lot about the group. We've got to continue to fight and uh, beat some more good teams ahead. How important is that goal you guys scored late in the first period? Your line drives it, mm-hmm. and Pospisil gets the finish there. Well, great response. Obviously a bit of a, um, you know unlucky one to give up at the end of the period. You never want to uh, give one up like that for them to tie the game. But you know we went out there, we responded, and you know, that just goes to show you lately. I think that's what we've been uh, good at, fighting that adversity and uh, overcoming you know some... Uh, you know some some problems. You, know, you, you mentioned your goalie, but uh, if you were exhausted in overtime, how do you think he was feeling? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure. I mean, uh, I don't know. He's 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 in great shape, so I'm never worried about him. But uh, like I said, Marky's you know he, he's he's an efficient goaltender, and he uh, you know he's he's uh, you see him battle like that, it makes you want to push even a little bit harder for him. So uh, it's good to see everyone rallied. Great two points. You've been a leader on teams in the past, not trying to play otherwise, but obviously playing with two young guys, we've seen you come up big in so many big moments. Has this been a different role for you this year? Um, yeah, in, in a way, for sure. I mean, I, I definitely never played with so many rookies in my whole career. I mean, just, uh, you know, it, it was a revolving door at one point, but uh, it's nice to find some uh, some guys you can build some chemistry with. And uh, like I said, you know, they're they're character guys you know always willing to learn and, and uh, willing to get better and push themselves and uh, you know that's motivating for me too you touched on it earlier but what does Markstrom mean to this team he's, he's the backbone I mean that uh, he gives us an opportunity to win um, 
And that's what all great teams have. You know, they have a, a guy in the crease that can make some timely saves. And, you know, to win a championship, to win playoff games, to win playoff series, you need timely saves and you need timely goals. And we saw both those tonight. There's Nazem Kadri. Uh, like I said, he's playing out his dang mind right now. Uh, well on pace to smash his uh, his high from last year as a Calgary Flame with 56 points. He's at yeah. 50 points. He's on pace. This is the Kadri that you wanted to see when you this signed This is him. the Nazem Kadri, man. Yep. Like He's on pace for, what if I told you this? He's on pace for his second best season ever. I wouldn't be surprised. He is. I know. 72 points is what he's on pace for. It'd be his second best season. And that's... It's almost like really flown under the radar. It has, you know, like it has. It has, and I'm, I'm maybe I'm just realizing this now because it's been so bad. Because he signed, he signed the, the deal. Like Nazem Kadri was never a, a ninety point player. No, no. He, he was never. It's like that, one of the best offenses we've seen in a long time out he, in Colorado. Yeah, right? exactly. He played, he played the what the parts of three seasons there uh, with the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, had the pandemic season. Yeah. Had the the bubble, mm-hmm. and then uh, the cup winning year, uh, which the was biggest the biggest thing season. that I love about Nazem Kadri right now, and, and one of them is that he's he still has that little bit of snarl and an edge to his game. But I think his maturity level has has grown oh, so so much as a player over the last mm-hmm. three years, and I, I think a big reason of that was some of the experience that he gained in Colorado and, and some of the confidence that that he can be a scorer in this league, and and that's what I love the most out of ninety one right now. Yeah, it's it's. It's like he gets you can you can push him around you can you can throw a hit but he's not gonna he's not gonna tear your like, do the mm-hmm. stupid stuff that he did before like he, I think he's, he's shown a lot more maturity he's I think become go, a leader of this like, team going despite the, that he doesn't wear a letter he's definitely become a leader yeah, of this team going through that avalanche organization yep. helped I think you know like I, it totally and you bring up a good point there despite we're not wearing a letter I think he is he's such a massive part of this leadership group and I think he's he. I know. I think there's people will talk and say maybe he won't. I think this is a guy that would embrace something that's built that is here in Calgary. He yeah. he's got the ring. He's got like this is this is it right now. This I honestly is, think he could be a name within the next couple of years that could be the next captain of the Calgary Flames. Possibly. I don't you think totally that's crazy. Throw him out there. Yeah. Because like as Michael Backlund, as as good as a captain as he is right now, mm-hmm. and he's like the the off ice leader, and it was the no brainer choice to make him the captain of the Calgary Flames. Yeah. Nazem Kadri is the little engine that makes this Flames team go, right? Mm-hmm. If the Flames need some energy, if they need a goal, Ryan Huska taps on Nazem Kadri's shoulder right now. And, and I think that's that's a big part of the reason why in the next couple of years, he, he could definitely be in the conversation as p- maybe the next captain of the Calgary Flames. He's already signed here for a long-term contract, yeah. right? Just, yeah, just kind of makes the, sense. He's here for the long haul. And uh, like, and I think playing alongside Connor Zari and Martin Pospisil is, has uh, maybe reinvigorated his, his love uh, of the game, uh, despite having gives him a new challenge, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That he's now the guy that these young guys are going to be looking to, because uh, it wasn't that long ago that we were thinking Nazan Kadri was just a young guy. Yeah, in this know, league right? and uh, crazy, he's thirty three years old now. Uh, but that, that was a hell of a game uh, last night, Nazan Kadri with the game winner. Flames back at it tomorrow night into a place where uh, they have not had a lot of fun of late. They, I don't think. I don't. It was last it's time. Been a, it's been a tough season series in general. With the Edmonton Oilers this year, it's been some strange and disappointing hockey out of both teams that when when these two guys meet. Like the, the Heritage Classic comes to mind, and that was like when both teams were on a bit of a skid, and 
you know, sloppy hockey. And then the, the last games that the, the Flames played at a, against the Oilers, it was much more the same. Flames looking to snap a uh, four-game losing streak to the to the Oilers. They yeah. haven't uh, they haven't beaten the Oilers since uh, October fifteenth of twenty twenty two, and they haven't won in Edmonton since March twenty sixth, twenty twenty two. A nine five win up in uh, up at Rogers Place in Edmonton. So that'll be the Oilers and Flames tomorrow night. Uh, Eight o'clock puck drop will be on the air at seven o'clock for your Flames talk pregame show. Uh, Jeff Merrick show is up next. Uh, Elliot Friedman will join the show at 10 o'clock. Then at 1035, Jesse Granger from The Athletic. Latest on the Golden Knights. Uh, what's their plans now that Mark Stone's going to be out of the lineup for a while as they're going to have some maybe some money uh, to spend come trade deadline. Then at 11 o'clock, Scott Laughlin from the Sirius XM NHL Network Radio, which I believe Scott Laughlin's actually going to be joining our sh- program Sportsnet today at 2 p.m. as well. Yes. Uh, so you get double dose of Scott Laughlin uh, coming up on the Sportsnet Radio Network. And then at 11.35, Flyers captain Sean Couturier uh, having a nice comeback season after some really bad injuries there as he's uh, leading those Flyers uh, right now into a playoff spot. As, Flyers um, are going to be interesting at the nobody, deadline, I think. They, they're kind of like Calgary, where they've got pieces to sell, yeah. but they're also like, hey, we can make the playoffs. And they're playing way above expectations oh, right now, Phil- too, right? People so. had Philadelphia as like 32, 31, yep. 30. And there's a case of where a coach makes a whole lot of difference. And getting Sean Couturier back healthy uh, helps a lot, too. So Jeff Merrick's show is up next. Enjoy the weekend. Weather should be good. Uh, Flames, Oilers tomorrow. We have Hitman on the air tonight. Uh, They're uh, at the Dome. Mm -hmm. We have Hitman pregame at 6 o'clock, taking on the Wenatchee Wild, former Winnipeg Ice, uh, into town tonight. Uh, Thanks to our guests, Jack Hand, Frank Saravalli, Brent Cron, Ben Schulman, Christian Del Bianco. All those interviews up on our Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to GVP for making us sound oh so good. Jeff Merrick's show is up next. Have a great weekend. Keep it locked right here. Sportsnet 960 The Fan.